terrible how pride can infect everything that we do. We can even boast about our Christian service or the sacrifices that we make for others or even our suffering that we endure for Christ. We could even fall into the trap of boasting about how humble we are. The Apostle Peter knew this in his own life. One night, Peter proudly declared, even if all fall away on account of me, on account of you, I never will. He was full of his self-confidence in his commitment, in his courage and his strength. And yet that very night, in the courtyard of the high priest, Peter's boast fell apart when he denied his Lord three times. And so Peter knew the danger of pride and the futility of thinking that we can stand in our own strength. He also knew that it was incompatible with walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So in this next section of Peter's letter, he calls us to follow Christ in humility. So we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse 5 down to verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, down to verse 7. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. As we've seen before in this letter, the Christian life is supposed to be one of submission. Christian citizens should submit to their government. Christian slaves should submit to their masters. Christian wives should submit to their husbands. And here, Peter continued this this theme when he said, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Now, initially, when you read this at first, it might seem that he's just calling young people to give proper respect and honour to those who are older. And that would be in keeping with what the Bible teaches. For example, in Leviticus chapter 19, it says this, Rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. So showing respect for those who are older than you is something that we do and and honours and respects God. But I think Peter is saying more than this here. If you remember the last time that we were in this letter, on a Sunday morning, uh, Peter taught us about the responsibility and the privilege of those who were church leaders. And he described these church leaders not only as overseers, and also as shepherds, but he also called them elders. He said, to the elders among you. 
And Peter uses exactly the same word here in verse 5 when he talks about those who are older. So it's likely that Peter isn't just telling young people to submit to older people, but for those young people to submit to their church leaders. As we need to accept and submit to the authority of, our, of others in society, in terms of our, our leadership, or in terms of our work, or in terms of our family, so we need to accept and submit to the authority of our leaders in charge. Now, of course, this does not mean that we need to do everything that they say or agree with them in every point. Okay? That's not what it's talking about here at all. There may be times when church leaders need to be challenged or even need to be confronted. So Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a leader in that church in Ephesus, and he said this, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought with two or three witnesses. And those who sin, they are to be rebuked publicly, so that the others may take warning. Church leaders are not supposed to be kind of immune to anybody challenging them, or confronting them, or correcting them. In fact, if it's a, if it's a serious issue, they need to be confronted publicly because of their role. So in church life, as it is with as citizens, or as employees, or as spouses... Submission is partial and it's limited. As Peter talked to the the leaders of the Sanhedrin, which was kind of the ruling council of the Jews, he said this, we must obey God rather than men. So as we recognise and respect leadership in our church life, we recognise there is leadership beyond that and above that. And God is always to be honoured more than anybody else. But still, leadership is important. It's important. One of the reasons for that is in Proverbs chapter 16. It says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If we are so proud to think that we don't need any guidance or correction or support from any other person, then we're in danger. We're in danger of a disastrous fall in our lives. God has not designed us to be able to follow him completely on our own. He's designed us to need other people in our lives. And one of the ways in which God helps us to live through, live for Him is by providing leaders who will shepherd us. Who will provide the food of God's Word to us. Who will protect us from the lies out there in the world. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, or 13, very, sorry, verse, chapter 13, verse 17 says this. Obey your leaders. And submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be no advantage to you. So if we're going to receive the help that God has provided through our leaders, 
then we need the humility to recognize our limitations and our weaknesses and accept their teaching or their correction or their training that they have been called to give to us. We need humility to follow our leaders. And amazingly, even in this issue, we can follow the example of Jesus. Because throughout his life, he illustrated the humility and submission to his father and the leadership of his father. For example, he said this in John chapter 12, I did not speak of my own accord, on, on my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. So everything that Jesus did and said, he was doing under, in the submission to his Father and his Father's will and his life. But I think we see that submission most clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus, on three occasions, prayed this prayer. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, not yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus submitted to the will of his Father. So if we want to flourish as a church community, We don't only need to learn how to lead like Jesus. We also need to learn the humility to follow like Jesus. And that's so important in our church community. But this humble attitude is not only to be shown to our leaders. Peter went on to say this, verse 5 again. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. This is a mutual thing here. That everybody is supposed to express that humility towards everybody else. So we can serve each other. Jesus condemned the teachers of the law and the Pharisees of his day because they were not clothed with humility. Instead, they were clothed with pride. For example, in Matthew 23, says this about these leaders. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide. That was the little boxes that held a little portion of the scriptures. And their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. Their focus was how to look good in front of other people. And so they looked for that place of honour and prestige. They claimed the titles that set them apart as being more more honourable, more important than other people. And they wore clothes that made them appear more godly. But Jesus said that his followers... His followers should be different. His followers should reject any of that way of pride or self-promotion. Instead, they should clothe themselves with humility. So Jesus went on to say this. 
But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he's in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Instead of seeking places of honour and prestige, instead of competing for the highest place and the most respected roles, instead of trying to make ourselves look good in front of others, we need to have the humility to think of other people rather than ourselves, to take the lower place, to seek to serve other people, rather than be served by other people. After all, that's what Jesus did, isn't it? See, when Peter said here, to clothe yourselves with humility, the word that he used for this picture of being clothed with humility was actually a word that carries the idea of a servant or a slave tying on an apron ready to, ready to serve. And I wonder if he used that, that phrase because he was thinking of the time when Jesus did this. At the Last Supper. As Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples, it said this, He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Up to this point in the meal, that towel and that basin had been lying in a corner unused because none of the disciples wanted to use it they knew that washing the feet of guests was the job for the lowest of slaves or at least the the least important person in the room and none of them wanted to take on that role because they were all competing for the most important role in God's kingdom they wanted to be first so it lay there unused and they all sat there with feet needing to be washed. But even though Jesus was the most important person there, he got up and he clothed himself in that servant's towel. And in love, the master served the disciple. And he set an example for us to follow. This is what Jesus said. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You also should serve one another, even in the lowliest and the most unpleasant of roles. You know, I think this most powerful example was overshadowed with an even greater example of this humility. This Jesus washing the disciples' feet was just a foretaste of that greater demonstration of his humility. The greatest demonstration ever expressed 
humility. When Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. This is what Christian fellowship is supposed to look like. This is how we, as a community of God's people, are supposed to set apart ourselves from this world. We're supposed to take off the world's clothes of pride and arrogance where we compete with each other for, for position, for power or prestige. And instead we're supposed to clothe ourselves with humility so we can serve each other in love. The church is supposed to be a community where we not only humbly submit to our leaders, but with humility we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But ultimately our humility should be seen not just in our willingness to submit to leaders or to each other, but willingness to submit to our God. See in verse 5 again, Peter says this, God opposes the proud. This is a direct quotation from the, the, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament that declared God's opposition to the pride, to the proud. And that's because at its core, pride is rebellion against God. Pride was the reason for Satan's Rebellion and subsequent fall from heaven. In Isaiah chapter 14, it says about Satan, that you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, I will make myself like the Most High. That's why Satan eventually was cast out of heaven in judgment. And it was the same temptation that Satan brought to Eve in the Garden of Eden that led to the fall of humanity. He, Satan said to Eve, God knows that when you eat of it, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the proud person, they set themselves up against God. Claiming a position and an honour or a power that belongs only to God. And God is against those who oppose his rule and his reign. And again Proverbs chapter 16 says, The Lord detests all of the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. So God, he is against the proud. But I just love the next bit. But he gives grace to the humble. To those who humbly recognize and accept God and their desperate need of God. And God is willing to give them the grace that they need. Jesus demonstrated this in his parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector who came to worship God in the temple. The Pharisee, he stood and he prayed and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, 
robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of all I get. That was a self-centered and self-exalting prayer. That in the end was empty and ineffective. And he went away just exactly the same way he came. Full of pride and separated from God. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. And he pleaded, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. He humbly recognized his sinfulness and his desperate need of God's mercy. And God heard his prayer. And God forgave his sin. And God reconciled him to himself. And Jesus concluded with this principle. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And that's what Peter is calling us to do here. Verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Instead of grabbing what we can Instead of depending on our own ability and our own goodness, we need to humble ourselves before God, recognize our weakness and our inability, acknowledge our sinfulness, repent of our rebelliousness, and humbly depend on God's power to provide all that we need. Sinful pride grabs everything that it can. Because it feels like it deserves it. God honouring humility trusts in God to provide even although we know we don't deserve anything but this humility also means that we trust in God's timing because his promise is not that he will lift us up immediately but that he will lift us up in due time I think this is one of the big tests of of humility in our lives. Pride is impatient. Pride doesn't want to wait. Pride demands what it wants now. It tells God that we know best when we need to be exalted. But humility, humility waits for God's timing. Humility waits for God to lift us up in his perfect time. Humility accepts that God's purpose is best. Even when it means suffering now. And waiting for the glory to come. That was Jesus' experience. That was Jesus' example. Remember in the wilderness... When the devil offered him instant glory, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said that, that all this I will give you if, if you bow down and worship me. But Jesus refused. Because he knew that the cross had to come first, then the crown. So Jesus was willing to humble himself 
Even to the point of being obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Because he trusted that one day, in God's perfect timing, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus waited on God's timing. So are we willing to humble ourselves and wait on God's perfect timing to lift us up, to meet that need, to comfort our hearts, to bring us that healing, to bring us that help, to bring us that strength? Are we willing to humble ourselves and depend on God's timing? But finally, this humility means that we need to trust in God's care for us. 1 Peter 5 and 7. Favourite verse of many of us probably. Cast all your anxiety on Him. Because He cares for you. Peter was writing to people who were being criticised. Who were being accused. Who were being attacked for their faith in Jesus. So it would have been really natural for them to, in their, for their hearts and their minds to be filled, overwhelmed even with anxiety and apprehension. That was natural. And even though our lives are very different from the initial readers of this letter, we too face many situations and many circumstances that can fill our minds and our hearts with worry. It's a natural response to living in this world. But whatever the reason for this worry, see here Peter doesn't criticise us for having it. He doesn't tell us off for struggling with anxiety or anxious thoughts. Instead he just calls us to give all of them to God. He doesn't want us to try and carry them on our shoulders. As if we think we have the strength or the wisdom or the power to solve all of the problems in the world. Instead, he just wants us to put them into God's hands and let God sort them out in His perfect timing. And Peter told us to do this because he was sure that God cares for us. There were lots of reasons why Peter could be sure about this, that God cares for his people. But I think it was his relationship with Jesus that really convinced him of this. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law when she was sick. Peter filled his nets with fish when he he fished all night and caught nothing. Jesus helped pay his temple tax when Peter had nothing to pay it with. Jesus saved him when he started to sink in the water, when he was walking on water. Jesus even rescued him from prison when he was facing execution the next day. But more than anything else, he knew that Jesus had gone to the cross for him. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die for sin, die to sins and live live for righteousness 
It's this that declares God's care for us above everything else. It's the cross of Jesus that reveals more clearly the depth and the height and the breadth of God's love for us. And so Paul in Romans 8 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul was saying that if God was willing to send his son to the cross for us, how could we ever doubt God's love and commitment to us? And his willingness to give us everything that we need. Again, in his perfect time. So we can give all our worries and cares to God with the confidence that he will carry them. Because the cross of Jesus declares God's unconditional, unending, unlimited love for each one of us. So today, let's come again to the foot of the cross. Let's again humble ourselves before God and express the the, the humility. The humility to follow our leaders because Jesus submitted to his Father's will. The humility to serve each other because Jesus came to serve us. And the humility to depend on God because Jesus revealed the depth of God's care for us when he gave himself for you and I.